I'm Damien the DM from Adventures in Aurelia, a collaborative storytelling experience told through a game of Dungeons and Dragons, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other epically geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. All right, one final toast, huh? Data, this one's yours. There was a young lady from Vienna. I always wanted to finish this. <laughs> Actually, I believe the honor belongs to you, Captain. Jean-Luc, a toast. There is a tide in the affairs of men which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune. Omitted. All the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat. And we must take the current where it serves or lose our ventures. Here, here. Cheers. 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 We're grateful to have ridden the tide with you. Uh, Hi, everyone, and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. And this week, we bid farewell to the TNG crew as we cover their final ensemble adventure starring nostalgia, fan service, Botox, and shut up, I'm not crying, you're crying. It's season three, episodes nine and ten of Star Trek Picard. But first, he's the lonely boy with two moms and an absentee dad who just wants to belong. It's Rob. How are you doing, Rob? Two moms? Yeah, the Borg queen that gave your dad the DNA that... Helped oh. make you the man that you are. Oh, I'm so lonely. You are. You are. And I don't yeah. see that ever changing. So, nope. <laughs> and today we have a special treat. After months of investigation, bribes to local authorities, hidden cameras, and an anonymous tip from a hobo, we finally got enough incriminating evidence to extort our favorite poutine eating, maple syrup chugging, Molson's bleeding ice soccer expert who's also in charge of the Gunna Geek Network and host of Better Podcasting and the Gunna Geek Show. We finally got him to come on our show. It's Stephen John Drew. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm doing well, and I can't deny any of that. Wow. <laughs> I that know. I've got the evidence. <laughs> Thank you for having me on here today. I'm excited to talk this. This will be fun. No, no. We're, we're excited to have you on. You've, you've made some really, really good and uh, well-thought-out points on uh, the Discord kind of spoiler channel that we've been all hitting that I've been avoiding until I actually uh, get to watch the episode. So I'm always about two to three days late, but yeah, you've made some really good points. So I'm really excited to, uh, to talk to you about these final two episodes and, and the series overall. Yeah, and you can't use any of those points that you put in discord. Okay. It's all fresh today. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and rip this up. I don't have a piece of paper. Or I'd make a paper ripping sound effect. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Rob, you got any news for us this week? I 
do. Uh, let's let's start with uh, well some quick news. Uh, I don't really have much on it, but uh, yes, yeah, SpaceX um, apparently blew its load uh, in more ways than one. Uh, defiled the uh, space toilet that it was sitting on, um, and then exploded itself up in space uh, a few days ago. So that was fun. Seems like a um, rousing success. It was. It was. Uh, it lifted off, uh, but not without some damage. Uh, so that was the quick one. Uh, but in other space news, uh, our, our favorite Martian rover, uh, Perseverance, uh, finally, finally lost his pet. What? Yeah, I was waiting on that. I, I figured I'd get a what from you. Yeah, so apparently for the last 427 souls or days, if you're on Mars, um, Perseverance has had himself a pet rock uh, stuck in its uh, tread. Uh, well, actually in the wheel, not in the tread, but sitting on the wheel well. Um, and uh, he's been carrying it around for a while. And uh, finally, um, finally, it... It fell off after um, 427 souls, a grand total of 10 kilometers. Uh, it finally vibrated loose, and um, it's no longer with us. Jeez, it takes us like 40 like days, 40 Martian days to go to a go a kilometer. Uh, look, slow and steady wins the race, <laughs> okay. and and apparently he squirrels like a son of a gun, and uh, you know has to look at all the pretty things on the ground. Okay, yeah. So yeah, he lost he lost his little friend. Um, uh, I I don't know if he named it or not, uh, but uh, yeah, Rocky is no longer there. I just named it. Did it fall off or was it aliens? Because I think it's more likely aliens myself. Well, see, we didn't we didn't see it actually fall off. They just occasionally would, you know, check the tire and say, oh, yep, it's still there. So somewhere between the two different checks, it disappeared. So it is entirely possible aliens. It could have been an alien on a skateboard that was just hitching a ride. A really slow ride, but a ride nonetheless. And then whenever he like let go to veer off to do whatever he was going to do, he knocked the rock off, maybe? Possibly. Or, or Perseverance stole the pet rock from an unsuspecting alien child. And the, child fin- the child's father finally um, caught up to the rover and took it back. All absolutely valid theories, I'm, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> it is. What else you got? All right. So, uh, according to, um, well, this one, good news. It's not Yahoo Sports. It's Yahoo Entertainment. Oh Jesus uh, Christ! Yeah, yeah. Um, but according to, uh, let's see, let's see, a new rumor, uh, Mr. Uh, Kylo Ren is. Uh, being eyed for Reed Richards. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, he's not the only actor in the running. Uh, there's De- Dev Patel, Penn Bagley, Diego Luna, which I think is a... The guy doesn't... He's a little... He's not skinny enough, really. Diego Luna. Um, the name yeah, sounds uh, familiar. Andor. I don't, 
Andor. Oh, oh Cassian okay. Andor. Uh, and then Glenn Howerton. I don't know any of the other like three, um, but I mean, I could see I could see Kylo Ren uh, playing it. Uh, I can't. Adam Adam Driver. Yeah, he's yeah. a skinny dude. No, he's not. Yeah, dude, well, he's skin- tall and pretty freaking thick. Well. I mean, tall, so tall is accurate, but I mean. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, so apparently they're trying to, there's a, a, you know, rumor out there um, that he might be getting into Marvel. Join the, join the uh, Disney incest, incestuous um, um, actor pool that they have going on. Wait, where are you getting incestuous? Well, because they, they like to use people from you know, Marvel and uh, Lucas arts and like cross pollinate there. You know, they, they stick with the same group that they're used to. It's, they keep it in the family. <laughs> to me at this oh point, God. it feels like they're trying to apologize to everyone in the star Wars uh, trilogy there and, and offer them some other roles. Yeah, like, maybe. Sorry. So, we, sorry. We know that we, so. you thought that it was your big break, but it turns out everybody hates you now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, um, but yep, we'll see how that happens. Uh, th- there hasn't been any news as far as like that, you know, that they've pushed fantastic four back or anything like that. So who, you know, well, they need to soon, soon. come up with somebody then pretty quick, right soon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else you got? All right. So, um, I don't, I know you don't Jason, but, uh, Steven, do you have a, a 3d printer? I do, yes. You do. Do you like using your 3D printer? I do. In fact, uh, after we finish recording, I have to print something to fix my backdrop that I use for recording my other podcasts. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So you might be interested. Well, no, you know what, Jason? You'll be interested in this. Um, if you have got $100 for a deposit, you can get yourself on the list for this brand new uh, 3D printer that's coming out. What kind of 3D printer is it? Um, well, you know, it 3D prints objects. Okay. <laughs> now you're being uh, obtusely uh, ambiguous. So why don't well, you give us, like, why don't you drop the other shoe? Well, I mean, I'm looking at a picture here. Um, you know, it 3D prints the boat, the, you know, the standard little boat uh, thing that you use for testing. Uh-huh. Um, looks like it does pretty good. Um, it's kind of interesting, the filament that it uses. Oh, <laughs> is this oh, some no. kind of rubberized filament? No. No? It's human flesh. Oh, it's, it's chocolate. Oh, it's chocolate. chocolate. Oh, yeah, oh, that's better than the dark place I took. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's where I was <laughs> <Yeah>. going. <laughs> yeah, some no. sort of sex toy printer. <laughs> yes, it is. How'd you know? Uh, no, so uh, typical, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Ellie Rose Weinstein's Cocoa Press 3D printer uses chocolate to produce edible creations. Uh, they are on um, they're on uh, pre-order. You can get a deposit, uh, um, get your list, uh, your name on the list for a hundred dollars, uh, and then when it comes out, just drop another cool fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, and uh, it comes as a kit. Everything that you uh, that you need. Um, there's no pictures here, and you know how I am for pictures. Um, 
Yeah, you can't read, so yeah. it's the only way you're able um, to communicate. It's it. So it looks like you can't use your own chocolate. You've got to get. They've got these like chocolate cores. Yeah, that was going to be um, my question. Was is is there a special type of chocolate that you have to put well, through there? Milk, or it's milk or dark chocolate that's formulated to work with the printer. Um, so with some experimentation, um, users could potentially create uh, their own chocolate. Um, but they will provide or they will sell you uh, chocolate cores, 70 grams worth of uh, chocolate uh, that comes in a cylinder, has no air bubbles, and the cylinders are heated to just above body temperature so that it will uh, melt down. Right. Uh, and it uses 10 pounds of force, apparently. So I don't know how much a 3D printer, how much force is behind that, uh, you know, the nozzle for uh, regular filament. Uh, maybe maybe Stephen knows. I actually don't. I, uh, I was trying to think whether that was in relation a lot or, or li- a little. But right. my, my question comes with sort of the cleanup with it because I'll admit I'm lazy as far as uh, cleaning up the nozzle goes on my, my regular 3D printer, <laughs> but you can't really leave chocolate sitting there no, or unless you want you like just... an ant problem or something. <laughs> no, no. So when you're done and after it cools down a little bit, you just lick the tip. Oh, oh my yeah. god, dude! He set me up for it. I'm sorry. That's right. He did. That's right. He yeah. did. He did. <laughs> he should know better. Uh, it uses a 0.8 millimeter nozzle, though, uh, so you're you're not going to be able to you know get that fine detail that you're looking for uh, in your chocolate creations. Uh, but still, kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm actually what looking. What you're saying is that that we're not going to be making any uh, likenesses of our own faces with well, these anytime soon. Well, you could. It just it it probably would look like a third grader did it. It should <laughs> probably be pretty good for if you're doing like Rob's face. It would be an improvement, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking at getting a 3D printer probably in the next six months or so, but I'm looking at actually getting a resin printer rather than a filament mm. printer. So, yep. Yep. Resin printers are fun. Yeah. I've, I've used, I've dabbled in one once. Chocolate printers um, actually kind of sound pretty cool too. You can do, especially if you had like a, a patisserie or some sort of bake shop where you, yeah. where you made creations like that, that would actually be pretty handy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a use case. Um, it's just, you know, how much do you want to shuck out? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and really, for oh, a specialty oh. printer, 1500 isn't that bad. Yeah, that's for the DIY kit. Uh, there's a professional package that starts at four grand. Uh, I mean, depending on how big it is or, you know, what the, what the kind of detail that you yeah. can get on that, that's still not too horrible. It's it's got a one forty by one fifty by one fifty build volume, which is about 150 like one fifty. What is that millimeter? Millimeter, millimeter. Um, it's about well, the same size tiny. as an Ender. It, same size as an Ender Two Pro uh, build plate. I would think though that for business purposes, this would actually be pretty useful because you think if someone's got to do something custom now, they have to create a mold of some form to be able to you know do a larger batch and. This kind of removes that step. Yeah. 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 If you can do it without like supports, 
I think, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think supports would be, <laughs> how, how would you get rid of supports? Somebody would have to lick it. I don't know. Why would you have to get rid of supports? You just eat the supports after you break them off. Yeah. But then you got to smooth those uh, supports out, which again, you would have to lick it. Oh my God. What is it with you and licking today? I, I don't know. It's chocolate. Um, I didn't, I didn't grab my fudge round today. So Thank I'm a little, God. I'm a little hungry. But that's all I've got. All right. Uh, that's three, all you've got. Three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half newses. All right. Who's ready for a pod crawl? Sure. Let's do it. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Troy is in Jack's mind meet, and she opens the big red door that sits in his head. On the other side is a board cube, and Troy realizes they are proper fucked. Jack still has his martyr syndrome, so he absconds with a shuttle and heads to the coordinates the voices in his head give him. The Titan heads home to Seoul to try and stop whatever is going to happen at the Founders' Day festivities, but they aren't quite sure what the trap is. Along the way, however, they figure out what the changelings wanted with old man Picard's corpse. It turns out the aromatic syndrome wasn't really that, it was leftovers in his DNA from being assimilated. The changelings use the mutations from Professor X to change the programming in the transporters on Starfleet ships to modify the genomes of the youths of Starfleet so the Borg could tap directly into their Spotify playlists and assimilate them remotely. When the Titan arrives at Earth, Picard interrupts Admiral Shelby's speech to warn everyone that their young are going to try and slaughter them, but it's too late. Jack has made it to the Borg Cube, been seduced by the Borg Queen and is now jacked into their galactic radio station blasting out the pop hits that drive the kids crazy. As shit hits the fan on all of the now-networked Starfleet ships, Picard and the other olds all head down to a rarely-used level to regroup and figure out what to do. The OG Enterprise crew decide to take a shuttle and get the fuck out of Dodge while Raffi, Seven, and Shaw try to take back the Titan. Shaw uses up his ninth flight though, and Captain CTE finally cashes in. Geordi takes them back to the Starfleet Museum to show them what he's been working on the last 10 years in his man cave. A fully restored Enterprise-D sits waiting for them making this nostalgia-fueled journey complete. They head back to Seoul in a ship generations behind current technology to take on a fleet that moves and fights as a swarm. Meanwhile, back on the Titan, Seven, Raffi and some other mature crew members have put their heads together and come up with a new invention that shoots transporter bullets. They beam all the youths off the bridge and take back the Titan. But they are now a single ant in an angry colony focusing its wrath on the starbase in their way, so they take a moment to try and figure out what they are going to do. Back on the D, Data has pinpointed where KBRG is broadcasting from and they head to the Eye of Jupiter to find a massive Borg cube. Picard, Riker, and Worf beam down to try and turn off the broadcast signal, and while down there Picard decides he's going to try and be the father he didn't get to be for over 20 years. While Picard runs off to save Jack, Riker and Worf head to find where the beating heart of the cube sits. The Titan has come up with a plan, and that plan is to cloak in order to disconnect from the network, and then start shooting as they come out of cloak, cloak, turn around, and do it all over again. Basically, they want to look like they are trying as they die a hopeless, fiery death. Picard finds Jack and the Queen, and offers to trade himself for Jack, but Picard is old now and she likes her new, younger pool boy, so she tells Locutus to fuck off. Picard jacks into the collective to try and talk Jack out of feeling wanted and needed. Riker and Worf find the broadcast source, and it's in the creamy center of the Borg cube. Jordy, who's in charge of the D now, says it's impossible to fly into the cube and get there to destroy it and Data says hold my beer. Once at the core, everyone says their goodbyes again, because nobody expects everyone to survive, and everything happens at once. 
On Earth, the fleet takes up the starbase and points their guns at all the major cities on Earth. Picard gives Jack a hug and breaks the Borg spell. Riker and Worf head to find Picard because they don't want to die in each other's arms. And the D blows up the core of the cube, flies around and beams everyone on board, and escapes the blast with its ass on fire. The ships at Earth halt their assault. The Starfleet younglings stop trying to kill their elders. Jack gets a new job on the new Enterprise. And roll the next-gen crew ending their final adventure with a fitting game of poker. Credits. All right. So, Season 3, Episodes 9 and 10, we wrap up Star Trek Picard with these last two episodes. So, Stephen, you're our guest. I'll uh, ask you first, what were your thoughts on particularly the, these last two episodes, but the uh, the season and the series overall? I think these two episodes did a good job of continuing on what they had set up already in the series. Now, I'll come back to that in a moment, but I thought that um, it obviously pushed the nostalgia just, you know, past 10 uh, <laughs> through both of these put through both of these episodes. And then um, it did a good job, I thought, of not feeling like in episode nine, we were sitting there waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Like they, they actually spent a bit of time moving the story along. One of the problems I've had with a lot of sci-fi in recent years is that penultimate episode almost feels like almost filler. And they didn't do that in this one. They had action in both of these. And I think that that played well to wrap it up and, and not have a lull before your finale. And I guess that's because they're supposed to be seen sort of together, but it was, that was a little refreshing for me. Now, as for what it was doing in these two episodes, I was disappointed when nine started out of the gate and revealed for sure it was Borg. I was like 99% sure we were going Borg already from all the green that we kept seeing the POV shots that we were seeing. Um, when Jack was taking control of people, they were right out of, I think, first contact when we had POV shots. Um, so I was not at all surprised that it was Borg, but I, you know, <laughs> this is season number three of Borg plots in Picard. So it was from that perspective, that was disappointing to me. But if we put aside that, I thought what they set up, they did a good job of closing it all out. Yeah. Rob. <clears throat> Uh, overall, uh, I liked, I liked the show. Um, I've got, I've got a few quabbles, uh, but, uh, but overall I liked the show. Uh, I think it ended, well, God, let's hope it ended, uh, well with this crew. Um, you know, in terms of, I, I really hope we don't, not that I have anything against them. I hope we don't see the TNG cast again. Uh, in TNG, uh, other than maybe like, you know, a cameo in terms of like, hey, I'm giving you orders on a screen type of deal. Right. Um, for any of the future stuff or or past stuff in the future, you know, it got the whole legacy thing and we don't know if it's picking up where this left off or if it's like prior, you know, so um you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we're done with these characters uh, for the most part. Um, it was, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of figured it was Borg. Um, it just seemed that way uh, throughout the whole the whole season. Um, I got a problem with that queen, dude. We can talk about that okay. during Quabbles. All right, that'll I, work. I, oh. <laughs> yeah, so I, I really enjoyed this third season. This third season, I think, was the best season out of the series. 
Um, these last two episodes were were really good. Now, I, I do agree that a lot of sci-fi series in their penultimate episodes do kind of drag a little bit in in anticipation of this huge climax in the in the last episode. I will say that this series did not suffer from that in in any of the seasons. They typically kind of dragged the story until the very end, and then they tried to cram too much into the last two or three different episodes. To, to wrap up their season story. So I, I do like the pacing of this season though, better than the first two. I don't think they, they really rushed anything. I think that was a steady pace along the plot, even in the, even in the beginning episodes where we didn't see much movement in terms of like actual location, there was still plenty of movement in, in uh, setting up the, the future plot um, arcs and, and and setting up some some character development, so I, I liked the pacing in this in this season. I for one did not really anticipate the Borg. Um, I thought we had finally played out the Borg in the first two seasons, and we were moving on to something else. That was kind of a, a small disappointment for me that they're bringing back the Borg yet a third time. I understand that the Borg was this this big bad in the in the star trek um universe especially in the in the future but jesus christ how many times we have to kill these fuckers before they stop coming back (laughs) i mean we we killed them in voyager we killed them in first contact we killed them in the like the second season of of picard it's it's i don't i don't see how they keep coming back (laughs) well and and i didn't i didn't see the borg thing until uh, it would have been, I guess, episode eight, right? Um, you, you know, before opening the door, I was like, okay, Borg are involved somewhere, you know, when they were, because they kept coming back to, um, you, you know, the the Locutus and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, there's something Borg happening in the background. Um, I didn't see the queen. I didn't see the queen coming. Um, and there's a reason for that. Because <laughs> yeah. she shouldn't have been coming. Well, She's dead. <laughs> yeah, and, and they kind of they kind of retcon that, right? So this is this is the Borg Queen from Voyager, supposedly. No, no, no. This is this, this is, is the boy Borg Queen from Voyager. This is the Borg Queen that that Janeway uh, inflicted with whatever uh, that Admiral Janeway inflicted with whatever no. she uh, injected in her blood and got captured by the Borg in the last. Two is, episodes of Voyager. Uh, okay, so I was uh, okay. So now my quabble's not so valid. Um, I was thinking this this was the uh, f- first contact Borg. No, 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 no. I was, and I was like, dude, she got liquefied and yeah, then no. stepped on, and um, she was okay. she was left back in time too. Yeah, right. Okay, so she was. This was okay. This was the Voyager Queen. Um, tried to, and that makes sense as to how they got like stuck in Jupiter's stuff because they were trying to escape the collapsing um, transwarp nexus. Yeah, transwarp conduit that they had coming out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. See, I have to confess, I didn't realize it was the Voyager Queen. I knew it wasn't the first contact one, but I I thought that it was along the lines of another queen. And, And the fact that Voyager doesn't really explain 
the exact details about how there's a new queen in Voyager. And so I've kind of, I guess, you know, growing up with it and whatnot, I had always assumed that it was just like there can be multiple queens because if one's about to die, another one takes over sort of thing. And through all of the Borg collective, that information is just basically able to sort of carry on and whatnot. And so I didn't know that this was supposed to be the exact one from Voyager. That makes well, sense. A, but It was the same actress. Oh, well, voice actress. Allison or no. Alice Krieg. Alice Krieg. She, she, so yep. Alice Krieg is first contact. Yeah. And she was also the original oh, that's, uh, Voyager. That's right. Borg. See, no, she was not. Uh, An- Andy was. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the one who plays Moira Queen on Arrow. Uh, what's her name? Um, sh- she's the one that does it through all of Voyager, except I believe the finale. They actually did get Alice Krieg back, if I remember correctly, on Voyager. Um. No, so the Borg Queen was, uh, yeah, Alice Krieg in, uh, according to Memory Alpha, holder of all knowledge, uh, let's see, Alice Krieg was first contact, um, Endgame, and uh, Picard. Susanna Thompson was... That's uh, the one. Yeah, was Voyager. Well, Endgame is Voyager. Uh, yeah, but they yeah, brought so, they got Krieg back for that, and then Annie Wershing was uh, season two. She was season two. Yeah. So yeah, so what happened was most of the Voyager run they had uh, Susanna Thomas playing Borg Thompson, Queen, yeah. except Thompson. Sorry, sorry, thank you. And then in the very finale, they got the OG Queen, right. the one from First Contact, back. That's how that all laid out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really make the two the connection together on that, um, but I, I can go with that. But I, I tried to stay a little positive when you asked me my, my first thoughts on there because yeah, I was the first one up and I don't want to drive everybody away right away. But <laughs> we have no problems. I, yeah. we, we have like two game. people that, that listen to the show and Rob's mom's never going to go away. So <laughs> it, it, to, to me, I agree about the criticism on bringing the Borg Queen back. I think it's just a, a bit of an example of some of the issues I've had with the way they've come about this nostalgia. And She's been done in first contact and then, oh, wait, she's back in Voyager. Oh, wait, she's done in Voyager. Okay, wait, she's back again now. And to bounce all over the place with the queen and have, I guess, now the same one from first contact, but have a queen back again, it just almost feels like, can we not let things go and, and stay in the past of Star Trek, move on from from something and and find something new? And, and that's, I felt like a lot of what happened in this season is things that maybe could have been left in left back in the past. Like I get everybody was sad how data went out, but we bring data back pretty much one for one with, with emotions. Everyone's calling him data. Uh, Nobody's saying this is, you know, my name's not data. I am, I'm data plus or something, right? Like it's just, this is data. This is the same guy. So we've undone that death. We ended up, uh, arguably, Picard kind of had his resolve almost in season one of everything. That gets undone. Riker, Troy, in season one of Picard, they seem pretty happy on the planet. We undid that this season. Even in the post credit scenes, Q gets undone. So it's just like a, a lot of the stuff here, including the Borg Queen, I feel it's almost... I wish they could just leave some of these things alone. Yeah, yeah. And I, in some ways, I... I think I mostly agree with that sentiment. I, I, I do certainly see that they, they undid a lot of stuff and, and it kind of cheapens the, the story that they told in the first uh, season 
and somewhat in the second season. The second season wasn't all that great, so I don't really care if they undo that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did not like the second season at all. Um, And so, yeah, I I agree that... You know, the second season, when you've got a sci-fi series that goes back into what is, as we're watching it present day, you know they've got a budget issue and your expectations have to be low for that. That When when they first announced that, it's like, they're going to be in the 21st century. You're like, okay, no sets. You're just going to go record on the street. I, yeah, this isn't going to go well. I get that, that but was, you can still that do was that. was a COVID issue, wasn't it? Not necessarily a budget issue. Oh, I don't think it was a COVID issue. I, I, I'm pretty sure that that had to have been a, a budget issue as well. Hmm. Because, I mean, there were other shows that were doing on-set recordings. In fact, you could probably control things a lot better by doing on-set recro- recordings because you can have fewer people or just the people that you need on-set to to eliminate or to reduce the risk of spread, things like that. So I, I don't, I don't think it was just a, a budget or just a, a COVID thing. Um, I, I do think there was some budget issues involved there, but, but there's there Star Trek four was a present day kind of, you know, go back in time and show things in present day. And I thought that did it really well. Now there's plenty of people that like Star Trek four, um, and there's plenty of people that don't like Star Trek four. I, I certainly really enjoy Star Trek four. It's, it's one of the better ones, but yeah, uh, it's got the whales. It's got whales. I, I, How can you hate whales? Exactly. <laughs> You're a monster if you hate whales. Exactly. But no, um, yeah, I, I, I certainly agree with your sentiment that they undid some stuff, uh, re- definitely retcon some stuff like data's death. Um, yeah, how many times does this guy have to die before they stop bringing him <laughs> back? I don't, I don't get that. Now well, they that's did the kind cool of thing about being uh, uh, binary, right, or being just data. Uh, haha, I, you see what I did yeah, there? Yeah, I see um, what you did there. Yeah, you just back yourself up and then uh, download yourself into you know the next best thing. I mean, that's that that is true. And and the the version of data that died in season one isn't the same data as we got back in season three, right? The the data that we got back in season three starts at Nemesis, so yep. he doesn't he doesn't he wasn't the data that was in the uh, positronic nexus that they they had in in season one and was the one that you know Picard put down. This is this is another data. It's kind of data B data part B or data version B, I guess I, I, I'm not sure how to distinguish that, but yeah, this is a data with, with slightly different experiences now. What's oh, a, it's a, it's a fork, a fork. A yeah. Fork. Yeah. Yeah. It's a data fork. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that, um, that with, with data, we could just go and copy what he was, right? And that's the one area that I wanted them to retcon was the Picard android. And and that's just because I don't like the fact that we've got this thing out in the universe where, you know, we now have data who came back, which shows the synthetic body works, and, and he was able to do another one. Um, so we have this thing out in the universe where essentially anybody could live at any time. If you just, you know, kind of shift the parameters a little bit. I don't remember the exact line, but in season one, they essentially say, Hey, you'll still die eventually because we baked that into your programming for, for Picard's body. And when we saw that his body was still in existence and then they, so 
nicely set up the fact that, oh, wait, he didn't actually have Eremotic syndrome or whatever it's called. I was kind of hoping to be like, oh, well, somehow some situation comes up and he ends up back in his other body somehow. You know, it's the future. They can maybe make that happen. And now we no longer have this plot device out there where we've got this this synthetic person that has had their life extended because it kind of means like in the future, any character could maybe have this happen to them because Picard really should be dead because of whatever was killing him in season one. And yet he continued on here. So uh, although I didn't like a lot of the retcons, that was one area I was hoping they were going to close off at least was well, him out there in it as an Android. They kind of, well, they kind of did in the fact that uh, as far as we know, uh, the last soon is, is gone. Right. So, and he was really the only one that could, I mean, he took the golem technology to his grave, basically. Did right? he though? Or, I mean, there's, I mean, there's yeah, a whole was, planet of, of his creations out there that could oh, possibly, you know, carry on his research. Well, I mean, if, if season three is any indication, um, that planet no longer exists. Why? It's been but also because it's been retconned out. <laughs> the entire <laughs> the entire TNG premises though was um premise, I should say, uh was that that soon was the only one that could create androids. And then in Picard we get these new version of androids. So I don't think it's a far leap to to say that someone else might be able to pick up because that's what Picard did to everything with Android and lore and then in uh insurrection before well, hard said, oh, wait, someone else can kind of do this thing as well. Well, but in, in, in to be fair, the, the person that was able to do this was a Sung descendant. So it, it seems like the, the Sung family line has some sort of, I don't know, family trait that is able to create automatons better than anybody else. They've got a well. We we do know the TNG version of Data was fully functional, so you would think that the new (laughs) version of Data, who's synthetic, synthetic organic, would also be. So maybe he will have some form of and programmed in multiple techniques. (laughs) Exactly. So so you know, Data might continue the family name. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he's. Do you think he's? Yeah, I mean. He just got to get himself a synthetic Android <laughs> Tashi Yar and he's off to the races. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. Oh, crap. There's uh, <laughs> there's season four for you. <laughs> All right. Season, so season um, one, one of the things that I wanted to touch on was the the rumors. Um, and these are these are absolute rumors. There's there's nothing in pre-production. There's nothing that's been greenlit yet about uh, a show that even Terry Metalis was mentioning called Star Trek Legacy. Um, so what do you think that might be? Are you on board? Would you rather not see it? Uh, we'll start with Steven. So, okay. Not you, Rob. For me. Fine. Be that way. (laughs) For me, I think that, um, we would probably continue the story and I know they've, they've alluded to the fact that they have an idea to bring back the Shaw character in a way that how I forget what Terry Mattel said, but he basically said there's a way that the fans would like it. I think season three, although I have had many issues with the heavy nostalgia and this sort of diminished plot because of it, I think that what it did show was that the general crave is continuing a story in the style of Star Trek of the past. And I'm not sure that if all of a sudden they go away from continuing a story and they do a time jump back again, 
that the fans will adopt it as well as if they were just to continue on because that's long been the criticism and the want of of people who are seeing Star Trek now is they're like, we want to see it carried on from the Voyager era. Actually, this goes back to when Enterprise was on the air. People wanted to see that sort of continue on. And I think season three has proven that if you throw yourself back to whatever that mindset was in the 90s and you kind of continue on a story that resonates better with with the audience. So I I would struggle to see them now not continuing the story. Rob? So I'm hoping I'm I'm in the same I'm in the same boat as uh Steven. I'm hoping that if this legacy thing comes up um it, it's it's the 7 show. You know, it's the 709 show uh with, you know, her um with her, I guess, being in charge of the Enterprise, which, you know, to me, I wish she got like an intrepid class or something, you know, more on yeah. the more on That's the nose old. of them. Yeah, but well, not necessarily an intrepid class, but the continuation of the Voyager namesake, because it is established that Voyager, the Voyager name has carried on into the future. Discovery has, what, Voyager J or something like that. So there are some other Voyager uh, ships that could potentially be used. And you could you could have continued that legacy that way, uh, gotten maybe a few... I, I wouldn't want to see... I wouldn't want to see as many old characters as what they were doing in this one, but a couple cameos of, you know, maybe... Maybe Harry is no longer an ensign or lieutenant. Um, you know, uh, see how Paris and Bellana are doing, um, or even even go so far as uh, potentially get a, a catch up on uh, Naomi Wildman because uh, we we did get a catch up in season one of Picard of uh, Ichab, right? Um, unfortunately, he was killed, but. It would be kind of interesting to see Naomi Wildman because that was one of Seven's um, companions, one of her her friends. You know, they, uh, during the whole Voyager show. So, so it'd be kind of interesting to see because she wanted to be Starfleet. Um, so she's been out there for ten plus years now. Uh, so she should be uh, good to go, right? She should be uh, doing Starfleet still or something. Uh, so. I'd like to see that. I, I do agree with Steven. I don't I don't want to see them going back. The only way that I could see them going back is maybe potentially showing Seven's lead up to being first officer, but there's not a whole... I don't see there being a whole lot of room for that just because of age. I mean, well, and that that is one of the theories that I had when they were saying they had a way to bring back the Shaw character was through flashbacks. So yeah. that could work. We oh, could yeah, flashbacks. A little bit yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, from a personal perspective, I agree. I think seeing Jerry Ryan lead the series would be fantastic. Um, there's really, out of Picard, there's, there's two scenes that I think scream authentic to the character that we used to know. The first was in uh, episode nine here, and it was the one between LaForge and Data on the shuttle where LaForge goes, uh, Data, could you try being more positive? 
and uh, data data ends up responding. I hope we die fast or something like yeah. that. Right? Yeah. That was just brilliant. That was right out of TNG. Yes. Exactly yeah. what you would expect. The other one that I thought was just just evoked the history of the character was uh, Seven of Nine on the bridge looking at the ships with Jack. And when she looks at Voyager, she says it was my home. That scene yeah. moved me, and I think that it it nailed everything we knew about Seven's development in Voyager. And at that moment, I said, Jerry Ryan needs a series in this universe. Like, she just nailed that. Yeah, and it needs to be, it needs to be obviously a Starfleet series. It needs to be her, now that she's captain, it needs to be her being a captain. Um, again, I don't. I don't like that she's captain of Enterprise. I, I it, agree. I don't like that they renamed that Enterprise. That's that's a Titan yeah, we'll, ship. We'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Oh, <laughs> so God, yeah. So that's I, that's quabble number like four. <laughs> so for for a legacy series, I, I I would be on board if and and one of the things that I really really enjoyed about season three of Picard was it had the TNG feel to it. None of the other Star Trek series out there has had the same feel and the same pacing and the same impact that TNG has had. Not DS9 by far. That show was awful. Voyager, not really. I didn't really like the cast or the storylines in Voyager. Um, Enterprise started out pretty good, but it was it was something different. It really should be. It was a it was a prequel series, and then it just kind of fizzled out, and I just got bored. Um, and I don't watch Discovery because I don't watch shit shows. Um, Strange New Worlds is yeah. I haven't close picked up Strange. TNG. I haven't picked up Strange New Worlds yeah. yet. I need to give that a try. I need to go ahead and just watch at least three episodes of the, of the first season just to to make an assessment. So I can't really speak to Strange New Worlds yeah. yet. It's it's got it's got a good um, it's got a good episodic type feel to it, and then with with a little bit of underlying. Um, uh, cross uh cross episode narrative you know and it, there, yeah. there's a few there's a few serializations in there uh, so but it I, is very much episodic i would like to see a tng series that is more serial um that's that's one of the the down or one of the things that i didn't really enjoy very much about tng and this was the norm back then so it's it's no fault to to tng itself or the writers there was that it was episodic and some of those episodes really needed more time to really flesh out the, 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 the plot lines that they were exploring during those episodes. In fact, some of the best TNG episodes were their continuation episodes where they would uh, do the first part of the episode at the end of one season and the second part at the beginning of the other season. And what sucked is you had to wait all summer before you got the ending or that part two and those were some of the best episodes because they had time to flush out this, this really cool plot. Um, so yes, I would, I would love to see something that has the TNG feel, uh, in a serialized, uh, format with new characters, with the characters that they've, they've introduced in this last season of Picard. So Jack seven, uh, Rafi, even, even though I'm not fond of that character, she she would fit fine, I think. Um, I, th and then, I think. Oh, sorry. I was going to say I think she found her 
niche with Ra- uh, as far as Rafi. I think she's going to settle down. Yeah, I, I, I like that they've they've wrapped up her addiction struggles. I mean, yeah. sure, she's going to still, you know, kind of struggle with that. But it's been it's been her character personality for far too long. They need to they need to figure something out with her. And I think I think they started to do that with with this season. I think Rafi could be on the table because I don't know that we've really looked into her character that much because a lot of her story has been around Jean-Luc Picard. That's where it's been, and that's the side of it that we've seen. Sure. Obviously, these, these side things are there as well, but then we we start to see her on her own, but oh, wait, it's tied to Worf. So it would be interesting to see her as, as a, a player in the game, not tied to these characters of the past. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would be all board, all on board with a, a, a series, a legacy series like that. And even if they want to bring Shaw back for, for flashbacks, that's fine. Um, I don't know that. I mean, I kind of, I kind of hated the Shaw character at the beginning of the series. And then he kind of grew on me. That was, that was yeah. really weird. I, I was not expecting that the first couple of episodes that we, that we saw Shaw, I was like, God, I don't like this character. And then, He's I really in the way of my feels of this. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I just, I really came to enjoy uh, seeing his, his cynical, sarcastic side. Um, yeah. So I, I, I really actually kind of grew on that character. It was, it was yeah, for strange. me that the turning point on Shaw was when uh, he went down to do the grease monkey stuff. Right. So right. At, yeah. at that point, yeah. that's kind of where I'm like, all right, he's, he's a by the book, but He'll get his hands dirty. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I laughed. I laughed a lot when um, I forget which episode it was, but it was where he gets the Titan back, and um, he basically uh, Riker and Picard come to their own realization of, oh, I guess we got to contact Starfleet, and then he just turns around. And he's like, I've already called them. They're on their way. And when he did the little semi knighting of seven to yes. reinstate her, I just laughed. <laughs> I was like, I-, I like your sarcasm yes, here. Yes. Yes. I, yeah, that was, that was probably right where I started really enjoying Shaw as a character too. Before he was just a dick to be a dick. It seemed. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, yeah, there, yeah, he's he's going to be a captain. He's going to be a one direct, a one dimensional, dickish by the book character, and I'm not going to like this guy at all. And then he, he, they, they really fleshed him out. They did a good job on his character development. So, um, so they renamed the Titan, right? Basically, and when they were coming in on the shuttle, talking, uh, Jack and Beverly and and Picard were all talking together. And they were talking about, you know, what's in a name. Um, I know that Steven was anticipating a certain name. I was actually anticipating that same name. Rob, what about you? Uh, I said to myself, oh, God, no, they better not name that thing Picard. (laughs) So all three of us were anticipating them naming it the USS Picard. And they ended up naming it the Enterprise G, which which is even worse. I, I so I don't like it. <laughs> I'm I have mixed feelings I, I, about it. I agree. It. I actually I I think the name Enterprise is worse than the Picard because um that it's like the Enterprise is supposed to be a ship 
that that has been built and earned like you know it's dedicated to the this name right like and yeah. i know we've seen things in the packs where they've you know whatever well the re- rechristened a ship yeah, or whatever the, the enterprise but still, a used to be the yorktown yeah i but just it's the I same don't know. class of ship it was the same class of ship which was fine the enterprise a getting or yorktown getting renamed same class of ship no it wasn't you the had, same class of ship it was still Constitution. It was a. It was the new Constitution class, right? But it was still. It still considered. So the Constitution class was still their flagship class, right? But this was the it, new refit Constitution class, right? The, the A upgrade. was the A was an upgrade. Yeah, yeah, it was an upgrade. This was not an upgrade. This to me, this is a downgrade. So, so uh, the inter- the Enterprise yeah. F had been out for a while. Yeah, still. It, In fact, they seems... were decommissioning the Enterprise F after Founders Day. It doesn't. To me, it seems like a downgrade. It seems like a a snub, especially <laughs> especially since it's been a year. Right? It's not like they just they're like, oh, we need to have an Enterprise, or you know, okay, uh, let's rename it. It it had been a year. And and they just went, ah, all right. The Titan is now the Enterprise. Eh, screw the Titan. I, yeah. I'd like to know a little bit of the behind the scenes on this because I, I, I and to get, you know, behind the scenes and out of the universe for a minute, I had read that um, Terry Metalis basically told Jerry Ryan, by the end of the season, you'll be on the Enterprise. But in the interview I read, he said, essentially didn't say how because they still had to write how they got there. And I'd like to know a little bit about that scene where there's the big reveal, what the order was that it was filmed in, because there's some dialogue in there where Mm -hmm. it feels very specific to Jean-Luc Picard himself. And, and they end up, there's a line that's said off screen. So it could have been voice work afterwards. There's a screen, a, a line where Jack says, this is dedicated to you and, or in honor of you and your crew. And, Picard's really broken up about that, but we're talking the Enterprise G, which we know there was a good run or a run uh, after Picard's time on the E. There was the entire run of the F, mm-hmm. and the D was how many later in the series, and and the idea of Jean Luc Picard being all broken up that that this G, a long you know long history of ships, is dedicated to him and his crew, I don't know. It feels not that personal to me. Yeah. Yeah. And this is my, yeah, this is my theory. So my theory is that it was originally going to be the USS Picard. And as, as well, and as the popularity and the rumors of Star Trek legacy started to come along um, and the, the popularity of this uh, final season and people wanting more, uh, to see kind of a continuation of this or a spinoff of this, they pivoted and made it the Enterprise G because what's a Star Trek show without, you know, an Enterprise in it? Especially if this is going to be a spinoff of the Picard series, you want to see you want to see them on the Enterprise doing Enterprise things. Right. And so I think the the dialogue was written in anticipation of this being the USS Picard and then. They they kind of pivoted at the last minute and made it the Enterprise G in anticipation of a spinoff. 
That's pretty much where my mind was at too. And and I want to confess here because I feel like this is, you know, someone with an addiction that has to admit it is I, I scoured that scene with Jerry Ryan on the bridge looking for something in the background that said like USS Picard. I looked and I looked and I didn't <laughs> oh, see anything. Didn't. You were scouring that scene just to look at Jerry Ryan. <laughs> I like Jerry Ryan. Jerry yeah. Ryan's great. She's the reason yeah. I watched uh, Boston Public back in the day. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I forgot yeah, she was so on the that. whole the whole him gasping and being taken aback by it, it really does lead, lead credence to it was said Picard. I, I, I think so. I think everything and, seems to lead up to the Picard name on that ship, which honestly I would have been okay. I would have been more okay with that than I would, than I am with it being called enterprise. Yeah. And, and I, I see that, but I think if you think in terms of they're wanting to continue this on as a as a spinoff, the well, Enterprise yeah. G makes sense. Yeah, it does. For, for as a spinoff, if if that's how they're going, if they're going with uh, the Jerry Ryan crew, um, the seven hundred nine crew, then great. It makes sense to have the Enterprise. I, I would I would have liked it to be a Voyager name because uh, that still fits in legacy. But you know. But she's really the only one. Her and Tuvok are really the only people that were associated with Voyager that were in this season. Yes. So I I think that's not to say that you can't bring back. Sure. Some people. But I think it makes more sense with the Enterprise than Voyager. Well, one of the, the questions that I had about the actual Enterprise name going with that is... Where they say, I can't believe that Starfleet uh, saw fit to give a thief, a pirate, and a spy a ship. Are they giving that, you know, group of people the Enterprise? I mean, they're on. Yeah. I mean, they're they're on the ship. They're the bridge Yeah, but I mean, if you're Starfleet, yeah, if you're Starfleet and you're going to give that that group of bandits a ship, you're going to hand them the Enterprise? That that seems weird to me. Like, you think you'd be like, okay, well, here's here's the... The Cerritos? uh, uh, Yeah. The the USS Poutine or something like that. Oh, I like it. That that rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it does. Let's make that. Let's make that a thing. Now, I mean, so, but the Enterprise has had a long history of of rebels behind the the wheel, right? I mean, the Kirk's crew was always defying orders and and doing unconventional things. Picard's yeah. crew was always defying orders and doing unconventional things. Um, you know, it's it's just part of the history. So why not? And they did kind of you know save the planet, so. You got to reward I guess them that somehow. Counts for something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, with, their, one, with their cowboy shit, right? As, as Shaw <laughs> would put it. <laughs> one other thing that I wanted to point out was uh, the post-credit scene with with Q. We kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to get everybody's reaction with this. So, uh, Stephen, I know you're not super fond of this. <laughs> I I'm mixed because I didn't like that they killed Q at the end of season two. Uh, I think it absolutely makes sense. His line about, uh, you know, you're, I was hoping you wouldn't be keep thinking two dimensionally or whatever it is or linearly or whatever, whatever he said. Uh, and so, so it makes sense in the universe, but also it's that whole thing of, oh, we're going to undo something that we've previously done. And, and that's been such a, a thing in this series. And I would prefer to have just to sat there without, Q being resurrected if they were going to have killed him off in season two, like they did. All right, Rob. 
Yeah. Yeah, he didn't need to be there. Um, I understand that it can happen. Be, I mean, we we try to wrap our head around the whole uh, time travel thing with Q. Um, <laughs> we covered season two. Um, so, yeah, it, it can happen. They It shouldn't have happened. I mean, why... Why are you, why are you um, teasing that Q is now going to mess with an, another Picard lineage? Uh, there's, there's no reason for it. Oh, there is. And no. again, this is going off of the <laughs> spinoff theory. If they're <sighs> seriously wanting to spin this off, they want to bring back an, an old reliable in Q, right? They can get a different. They can. They Voyager had a different cue, and and they may do that. Well, Voyager had. I mean, it was a different individual. It wasn't the same cue, and he wanted to die. So right. Well, no, they and had Q's son too. Oh yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, they could look there. I just figured out legacy. Screw Q. Get Q Junior. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with Q Junior. Yeah, messing around with Picard Junior. I do Crusher get why Jr. they put. The- I- Sorry, go ahead. No, that's I, I. I don't know. Is he Picard or is he Crusher? I think he's still Crusher, but yeah, yeah. I didn't per- particularly care for where they placed that scene. I do get it in the context of what what you were saying about how it's the continuation or trying to set up legacy or whatever it is. But um, I had made some notes as I was going through the first time watching it and then rewatching it. And the, while I was first going through the finale, when they got to the, the them all playing poker at the end, mm-hmm. I made a note there about like perfect way to end the Picard series, yeah. because this is all about wrapping up TNG. Let's un, let's, let's, re, let's leave it where it was supposed to end before the movies. And then we get this afterwards and it actually ends on, on the non TNG crew. When this whole thing has been about making everybody have excessive feelings towards the TNG crew. So I was disappointed where it was put there. Yeah. Yeah. I did like the, the, the callback to, um, the very last episode and very last scene of the very last episode of TNG where everybody's getting together and playing poker. In fact, that was the first time Picard had ever played poker with them, right? Was, uh, yeah, the, uh, all good things. All good things. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a, a nice callback, uh, to the original series. I thought that season three was a, was a great wrap up to the TNG series as a whole, the TNG legacy. And so, um, I, I agree. I don't want to see everybody. I don't want to see any more TNG movies. I think this was a great wrap up. Nemesis was a horrible way to end the TNG <laughs> legacy. And so I'm glad they did season three of Picard as, as a wrap up of the TNG legacy. Um, again, cameos would be fine. You know, brief mentions or brief scenes with, with some of the, the old crew, if they want to spin this off into, into Star Trek legacy, I think would be great, but uh, yeah, I think, I think we can move on. Um, and Star Trek does need to move on. Um, they need, they need to do something because some of the shows that they've come out with, in my opinion, just aren't great. They, they, they aren't Star Trek. They're, yeah, they just don't feel like Star Trek. Um, I mean, even, even Voyager, as much as I didn't like Voyager, still felt like a Star Trek show. I just didn't really enjoy the show very much. Yeah. They solved things with science, which is kind of, which is kind of the Star Trek 
feel. Yeah. Right. Um, I just, I, I would like to get back to that, that type of storytelling. I think they, I think they made a, a really good job or did a really good job of, of doing that in this while still staying modern and doing a serialized uh, series. Um, so if they can continue that, I think they would have a, a really good hit on their hands. Cause I think this was probably one of the more popular seasons of one of the more popular series on Paramount Plus or or of the Star Trek modern Star Trek shows. There's actually one continuation that I think we if they did Star Trek Legacy that we would need from the TNG crew and it's that they open up the series by having an appearance by Jordi LaForge and what he's doing is he's bringing on the engineers of the Enterprise onto the Enterprise on the Enterprise G onto the enterprise D to show them how to turn on the lights because <laughs> that's what I would like. Well, apparently it's just voice activated, right? On the D. It's I just mean. so, I, I love that when we got to the D and they did a little brighter lighting and I just, I just yeah. want some lights. Yeah. If we do another Star Trek series. Yeah. That was one of the things that drove red nuts on some sci-fi series was like, do they not have lights on any of these damn ships? Everything's so damn dark. You can't see what you're doing. So yeah. Well, that's how you have the accidents and therefore a show, (laughs) right? Yeah. All right. uh, Final thoughts. I personally have a lot of plot gripes. Uh, I, I tried to keep them a little bit at bay. I think there was a lot of because of plot happening through the whole series. I think that the series plot suffered at the hand of nostalgia. Um, I think that they could have dialed back some of the nostalgia with such a big reveal like the Enterprise D. With that said, uh, if I was to rewatch it now that I know that I need to take it more in the realm of like a popcorn flick. I probably would be a, a little easier on it than I have been week to week because season one of two of Picard really started. They had plot heavy ideas and neither of them mm-hmm. stuck the landing. Neither of the seasons did, but they, they really were, had a, an idea of a plot and that's what they were focusing on. I, I felt it was opposite here. And so I was really expecting more of a, a more in-depth plot. And I kind of came to this realization earlier on in the series where there was a lot of different discussion happening over on the Gunna Geek Discord about different theories about what these reveals were going to be. And all of them were more interesting, in my opinion, than what actually happened on screen. The, the on-screen ideas, the reveals were generally the easy one, the safe one, the predictable one. If you went into it with a, um, they're not going to throw us any curveballs mindset. And so I personally didn't like that, that there wasn't a lot of creativity as far as the plot goes myself. Um, I do like seeing some of the nostalgia stuff that we saw. That, that was fun for me. I definitely got uh, worked up, broken up on a couple different occasions, especially being back on the Enterprise D bridge. Um, but through the series, there's a lot of things where in these moment, there, moments, there was little things that just kind of almost took me out. Like we get that moment on the Enterprise D bridge in, in the end of episode nine, and Troy and Riker don't even mention their their own daughter. It was easy to excuse away why they were going into battle because she's probably also turned into Borg. But they they turn it all about Jean-Luc and going along with him. And they don't mention their daughter at all. And 
that there was a, an example of a moment where we've got this this beautiful nostalgic moment throwing us back, giving us all the feels. We got you know uh, Major Barrett's voice. We got all of this stuff happening, and in plot they don't mention their daughter. And I found that sort of stuff throughout the whole series, and that kept taking me out throughout it. Um, with that said. I think compared to season one and two, they actually stuck the landing of what they set up, but the bar was lower for me. Rob? Um, overall, I, I liked the whole Picard series. Um, this season, I'm a little, I'm a little miffed that we, uh, you know, they make this whole thing about, oh, the Borg have been gone for 10 years. Mm-hmm. The hell they have, Girardi Borg showed up, Right. And is apparently, and is apparently in leagues with the Federation because she says, "Hey, we'll watch this space butthole." Well, but Girardi board came from an alternate timeline, oh. right? But it's still we have it's Borg, right? I mean, they don't know that it's they don't necessarily know that it's an alternate timeline true, necessarily. True. So, but it's still it's it's Borg. So, it, it's it's setting up all these things or these little pieces um you know throughout the the two seasons and then the third season they just they ignore it and or don't even mention it or you know it was just for me that hurt um but if if we if if I look at season 3 as um the movie the TNG movie mm-hmm. um it's it, it 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 was good. I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, some of the nostalgia was was pretty good. Some of it I could have done without um, a little bit. Uh, you know, bringing bringing data back was was fine. I was okay with it. I wasn't okay with it at the beginning, um, but then I got over it a little bit because of how they explained it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I mean what's one more time that he can potentially die? What, whatever, you know, we'll just keep recycling them. Um, I liked, I liked the banter and things like that, that they had going on between Worf and Riker and all that, uh, kind of real reminiscent of the later years of, of TNG and into, you know, the, the, the movies a little bit, you know, they were a little bit more loosey goosey cause they've been around a lot. Uh, or they've been around each other quite a bit, you know, so now they're more friends as opposed to colleagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, overall it was good. Um, I, I did have same kind of gripes that Steven did and that there was, there was places that they could have done something different and it would have, it would have been better, but they didn't because they went the easy, what seems to be the easy route. Um, not a big fan I'm not a big fan of the changelings. Uh, I, I understand how they did it or whatever, but it was, and I know they needed some sort of way to get that data into it. But I, honestly, I would have been okay if it was some sort of like rogue program or something. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, the changeling thing was just kind of like, okay, why? <laughs> okay. You know, so, uh, but Let's move on. Let's let's get off of let's get off of Picard and the Enterprise crew, and let's let's move forward. Let's let's get some new stuff uh, happening. 
Yeah. And I so, forgot to mention where's where's Laris, by the way. That, that I should. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah that <laughs> yeah, was one I of just, my quabbles. Yeah, they just totally forgot about Laris. I mean, this is See, this is supposedly the the love of Picard's life, or at least right? his most recent love. And and yeah, she was in the first episode. She goes, "Yeah, I know you got to go do this," and never I'll again see mentioned you back on the planet. <laughs> yeah. And why didn't? Yeah. So it'd been a year. So it would have it would have been totally it would have totally made sense. I, I know why, because she wasn't part of the crew, but it would have made sense if she was there at the bar or something like that as a as a side thing, or at the very least in the shuttlecraft going to the new Enterprise, right? Or maybe we, we end up seeing like a, a note that Picard sends that says, hey, Laris, sorry, had kid with Bev, busy now, bye. <laughs> right, yeah, something, you know. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, they just they just dropped that, and they spent all of season they spent all of season two leading up to him accepting somebody else, and then they even brought it up in three. So yeah. you're kind of like, okay, so they're not like retconning that out, right? Necessarily, yeah, they're I mean, still together. They, it, they yeah. had planned on you know going on vacation and stuff, and and yeah. getting out of Chateau Picard and going to see other things and being together, and then. You know, Beverly's message comes through and that kind of fucks that all up. So, yeah, I, I really wish they hadn't just dropped Laris like a, a bad habit like that. But so I, I I really enjoyed, like I said, season three of Picard. I enjoyed the entire series, not so much season two. I thought that kind of sucked. Um, it, it had moments, but overall, season two was not good. Uh, season one was pretty good. I really liked seeing, uh, you know, the modernization of Starfleet, seeing where it's gone, uh, where everybody had, had had moved on to. I even read the book, um, you know, uh, that was that that came with season one. Uh, that was actually a really good read too. Season three, I think, is is my favorite, and just because it had that that TNG feel, it it felt like uh, a TNG season and. Rightly so. I mean, it was it was the swan song for for TNG. Um, again, I, I agree with you, Rob. I think they should move on. I really think they should take the the structure that they built and and that they realized with with season three and continue that on to uh, the spinoff if they're going to do that. So I, I really hope that they they get that done. So yeah, it was. It was a great season. I enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't without its flaws, certainly, but um, you know, it was it was still very, very much entertaining for me. I really enjoyed all the nostalgia. I really, um, I, I I thought that simplified plot was was fine. I don't need twists and turns and reveals in my plot. If if the story is solid, the story will speak for itself. I think that. Modern story writers are using um, hidden plots and secret reveals as a crutch anymore uh, to to cover up their shitty writing. And it's it's refreshing to see something that doesn't rely on this this hidden reveal, although the Borg was kind of a hidden reveal. But I think if you were looking for it, which I really wasn't. You could probably have, have figured that out. I mean, Stephen and, and Rob both said that they they anticipated the Borg. I wasn't anticipating that. Um, but, I mean, it, it made sense to the plot. I, I wasn't pleased that they brought the Borg back, but it wasn't the end of the world. It didn't really diminish the story for me. Um, I thought they played it well. So, 
Yeah. So for the grand scheme of things, Borg is gone. God, I hope so. I don't want to see a Borg <laughs> again. For, or is it? it? Well, except for the Girardi thing. If right, they want right. And, and honestly, I'm okay with bringing back the Girardi version because that seems like a more benevolent version of the Borg. Yeah, right? so the, the Borg as a collective, as an assimilation-driven collective, I think is gone because we still have right. the Hugh Borg that are independent. We still have the Girardi right. Borg which she's the queen, but she's kind of more of a malevolent queen, and they do have some independence there. Um, They only get assimilated if they want to be. Right. Right. Um, So, yeah, I think think the Borg is this all-encompassing assimilation machine is gone, or at least I pray that it's gone. And we might have some offshoots. I mean, they did that in Voyager, you know, some offshoot, you know, drones crash or something like that right. and they survive on their own uh, I'm okay supposedly that, the borg queen is gone is gone yeah until somehow her programming <laughs> crosses over to the Gerardi borg <laughs> yeah yeah and then like eats the flesh of her drones to keep her alive what the the hell <laughs> all know. right I, Rob. I do oh. i do have to say though um one, one of the things that i i did wonder was why didn't Gerardi Borg come to help? You you feel like that that should have happened? Yeah, it's it, it's curious that they didn't mention the Gerardi Borg at all in this season. They didn't really reference the first two seasons very much at all in this season, and I think they were trying to keep it separate from the first two seasons. I don't think they wanted. Well, I think they wanted to streamline the plot as much as possible. They had enough going on with bringing back the entire TNG cast that. To to complicate things by mentioning stuff that happened in the first two seasons, I don't think they would have fit it all in to just ten episodes. They do they do allude to it though. I think Shaw says something in the early episodes about we're not talking about the crazy shit that happened on the uh, Stargazer or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, but that's the only reference. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> In fact, the the only real reference that they made to the synthetics from season one was that they had dropped the the um, the ban on synthetic research. So, and that they had made them like actual citizens of the of the Federation. Or no, that was that was season two that they made them citizens of the Federation. Yeah, it was in yeah. season three that they just said that they had dropped bans on on synthetic research. Yeah. All right, Rob, you got a haiku for us this week. I do. This one is titled Final Flight. One ship versus fleet. Enterprise D's back, baby. Nostalgia is done. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, so Stephen, we, uh, so. we do, yeah. <laughs> we do uh, awards on this show. Uh, so we have four categories. We have the Black Lung Awards. So if you see somebody, you know, smoking or tobacco use, or if you want to Kind of extend that to some other thing. That's the black lung. The head lush is uh, who got drunk. Uh, the player is kind of our our romance category, and then the purple hippo is is something that you know, just out of the blue or some sort of something crazy happened to a character. So uh, we'll go with awards, and you can make it up on the fly, or we have some honorary awards if you can't think of anything. So Rob, we'll start with you. Who's got your black lung? Oh, I just, I went ahead and gave it to the uh, Borg Queen um, for getting <laughs> smoked at the end there. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, Steven, do you have a black lung or can you think of one? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I'll give that to Shaw because I think when he got hit by the phaser, his lung probably went black. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Oh, literal black lung. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Um, yeah, so... Vatic wasn't in these two yeah, you can't episodes, use Vatic. So she's gone. Vatic this this episode. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with the old honorary Doc Cottle on this one then. So, right. um, Rob, who's got your head lush? I went ahead and just gave it to the whole TNG crew. Uh, at the end there, you know, they're all at the bar giving what apparently was like 14 different toasts. Because, like, <laughs> Data kept wanting to give a toast. Um, so, yeah, I'm giving it to the whole crew. All right, Steven? I was going to go the same way, and then I realized that that Data attempting to give that toast about there was a young lady from Venus, <laughs> that there screams somebody's first time drinking too much alcohol. So so that that goes to Data. Okay, so he's giving it to Data. Yeah, so mine's going to go to the entire TNG crew for getting together at the bar and uh, throwing a few back. And then Dang it. everybody was, yeah, I know, you were close, so weren't close. you? Yeah. So close. <laughs> And then uh, everybody was about to leave, and Picard says, "Why don't we? Uh, why don't we play some cards?" And everybody was all in. So uh, that that was that was a great final scene. I really enjoyed that. All right, um, Rob, who's got your player? So for this one, I I kind of kind of I'm giving it to the Borg Queen or the Borg in general, uh, basically playing the Federation, playing some sort of long game, right, with the with the genetics and everything. Um, so I, I, you know, there wasn't really any love stuff happening because you know, Varus or Laris never showed up, right? So yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it to Borg Queen or the Borg or whoever was responsible for this uh, long this long con. All right, Steven. So for me with the player, I was thinking about like, who's putting the moves on people. What, what's that sort of general thought. And then it came down to really two. And, and the first one that I almost gave was Picard. Cause we got a Picard maneuver with the, the, the tugging of the shirt. But <laughs> then I realized how much I enjoyed seeing Riker do the console lean. He did the console lean at one point. It was the wrong console. It wasn't Data's console. He did it on the forge, but he did the console lean. And I used to make fun of that so much and talk about that so much that it's got to go to Riker with his console lean. You know, nice. Only, yeah. There's one thing I'm upset about, though, is we never got, never the, got the Riker never got maneuver. The, we never got the Riker chair maneuver, right? Yeah. I know. I know. But I was waiting for it all season. All right, so my player is going to go to Riker um, because, or no, I'm sorry, my player is going to go to Picard uh, because Riker chose his work wife over his regular wife. He decided to go down to the board cube with Picard rather than staying on the D with Deanna. So uh, work wife, one out over over real life wife. So Picard is going to get my my player on this one. So what you're saying is that Picard left Laris for Riker? Is that what you're saying? I yeah, or Riker left Deanna for Picard? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, whichever Picard wins, right? Yeah, Picard wins. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, uh, Rob, who's got your purple hippo? I gave it to Jack, uh, getting plugged into the hive mind. Um, he he looked like he was at home, 
uh, once he figured it out. Okay. But, but it did look pretty trippy. Steven. Mine has to go to the uh, Troy Jack exploring some Borg veins at the beginning of episode nine. Uh, there's, it was some psychedelic stuff happening there. Cool. Uh, some mine are going to go to all the Starfleet youths that got assimilated oh, remotely. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Do you think they remember? Uh, they seem to, or they kind of, well, I, I don't know. They, they, whenever they were unassimilated after the, the signal was, was gone, they kind of were looking like what in the hell is happening? Like right. they didn't know where they were. So I don't know. That's a good question. If, if they remember what they were doing or if they have memories of what they did. So what was, what was the age limit? It was like 23 24, years old? 25, something like that. So we're basically saying that the majority of Starfleet is, I mean, it makes sense that- A good chunk you know, of the, it, yeah. yeah. The, the ensigns and all that would be younger crew. Yeah. Yeah. So ensigns, lieutenants, yeah. Yeah. Except for, you know, Enterprise D. It's-, it's <laughs> It's uh, crewed by geriatrics and um, ginkgo biloba. Right, right. Yeah. And apparently, apparently space dock too, because like, you know, there just happened to be only adults on there so that the collective couldn't take over space dock. So they had to fire at it, you know, because um, of plot. Yeah. Dude, that dock took a beating though. Did. Yeah. God. Well, I mean, it, it's so, nice though that that the Federation uh, and Starfleet learn from the Zindian counter, and they they left it down to one one point of the entire defense of Earth. They just decided it's going to have one thing that controls the whole thing, and if that goes out, you lose the whole defense. Of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> There's no backup. Yeah. No, I mean, but would, but a, a star base should have you know a lot of firepower. I mean, it's it's. A lot larger than than a ship, and so you would you would really have to have like a fleet of ships to take out a starbase like that. Yeah, but it wasn't even firing. It was it was just well, yeah, because the people on the board beating. took. Yeah, no, it was firing back. Was it? I thought yeah. it was just like protecting no, itself. No, you you can you can see some photon torpedoes and phaser fire coming from it mm. in one of those battle scenes. All right, uh, so on our next episode. Is it time to choose? It is time to choose. Oh. We will, uh, well, I mean, it is time to choose, but we've already chosen. So <laughs> don't, don't, don't ruin the nostalgia. I think, uh, I think we've already released the episode where we were talking about it. Um, That's true. Yeah, so because we thought it was the wrong, we, we thought it yeah, came out first. Yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, we didn't, we never oh. went back and fixed well, it. Well, so. you know, Stephen could choose something for us to do, like you know, next at the end of the year. Uh, do we it's really want to? Do we really want to anchor him with? The, I mean, we finally got him on the show. It took a lot of incriminating evidence, but because he is like <laughs> squeaky clean, and uh, yeah, it took a long time to get that. And we may want him on the show again. So let's let's not hang that anchor around his neck. All right, all right. All right. So next episode, we will be discussing the movie where a former cop turned street hustler accidentally uncovers a conspiracy in Los Angeles in 1999. This stars uh, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Angela Bassett, and Juliet Lewis, directed by James who, Cameron. Do you know who it is, what it is, Stephen? I don't, you know. You don't have good sci-fi, huh? And it's Ray Fiennes, not Ralph Fiennes. I don't know why I said that. 
Because you were reading it. I was. Oh. Yeah, it's 1995 Strange Days. Great, great science fiction movie. Very, very good. Nope, not familiar. Not familiar. Okay. I wasn't either. You didn't miss much. Shut up. You liked it. Uh, did I? I don't remember. That was like <laughs> a month and a half ago, two months ago that we did that one. Um, well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Stephen. Uh, thanks for classing up the joint. It was a great conversation. Uh, like I said, you've, you've, you've had some really, really great write-ups on the episode so far on, on Discord, and I'm glad that you, you managed to, to get on here. So uh, where can we find you? Well, first off, thank you for having me on. I do really appreciate it. It's fun to come on and talk it. Uh, I'm so glad that we discovered that your message was stuck in my yeah. inbox. I know nothing about Discord, and I learned a little bit. So thank you very much yeah, for just, pointing out that. I just thought you were being a jerk and didn't want to talk to your, your peons of the network. <laughs> Us Canadians like, are known, known for that, right? right. That, that's well, pretty I, typical. You know, I never did get a sorry <laughs> oh, sorry about that, E. Eh? There, there you go. Thank you. You're, Does that work? Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, yes. Ginnageek.com. That's where I hang out. That's the network. I love the Discord. The Discord is is the best geek community around. We got lots of awesome people there talking all sorts of different opinions. Although I've had lots of disagreements with people over this season of Picard, I have enjoyed the discussions because of the variety of opinions that have come up and the different angles that people look at these different things with. So that's usually where you can find me. And uh, the two podcasts I do is the official geek.com show. We do that usually once a month. That's just a general geekery talk, talking podcast. And then there is better podcasting that I do with my co-host. Um, what's his name again? S- uh, SP. S- SP. That's right. S. <laughs> Uh, I know SP is listening to the show. That's why I'm giving him a hard yeah. time right now. But but yes, SP and I do this podcast that talks about podcasting from the hobbyist perspective because him and I, we're hobby podcasters and proud hobby podcasters. So we do better podcasting to support other hobby podcasters. And those are the two podcasts that I can do. And then when I'm not doing that, you can probably find me getting mad at Terry Metalis online for too much nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. All right, well, that's all we've got for this episode. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl music is Snack Mix by Machette. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can leave us feedback on our Discord channel at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com forward slash Discord, or you can email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. If you'd like to throw a few nickels our way, you can become a Patreon supporter by going to smokinganddrinkinginspace.com forward slash Patreon, and make sure to visit Gunna Geek for more great shows at gunnageek.com. For this episode, I'm Jason. So I want to know, what was uh, 709's uh, uh, go command? Mm. Won't find that out until Legacy. Maybe. We'll talk to you next week. Can it just be engage? Engage. (laughs)